We've been sharing this series called Heart for the House for five weeks. This will be our fifth week. We've been sharing about the importance of understanding that God's building a house. We talked about how that house is, is a church, but it's not a building, it's a people. We talked about how that, what that looked like for us as a church and how we're passionate about reaching people and building lives. That's why he's building this house here in this area. It's because we are passionate about reaching people and building lives. That's our vision. It's why we exist. And then we talked about the past two weeks, really how we flesh this out as a church. What does this look like? What's our mission? How do we make, how do we, how do we reach people? How do we build lives? And we did connecting to Christ and the importance of understanding that everything that we have, everything that we do is, is ultimately for us to connect with Christ. Christ is everything that we need. And then last week, Pastor Zach did an incredible job sharing about growing with others. And the, the so important concept that you need to understand that you need people. And then people need you. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Look at the other person that you didn't want to look at and tell them, I, I probably need you too. We need people. We need them. And, and, and they need you. And so we love community here. We want you to be involved in life groups and Bible studies and being connected with people. Today we're talking about serving on mission, our third core value here at our church, serving on mission and the importance of us serving uh, not only in the church but outside the church, serving others. And, and so we're going to go to Luke chapter 10 and we're going to talk about that. Um, but before I do that, I want to give you just the, the main idea of what we're talking about today. This is the main point, okay? You ready? It should be in your notes right at the top. And here's the main point. If there's anything you hear me say today, this is what I want you to walk away with. Saved people serve people. Come on, can you say that with me? Say it. Saved people serve people. That's it. Four words. Save people, serve people. Y'all ready? All right, let's go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to read. And... Um, you guys can read along on the screen. We'll just throw it up on the screen and I'll, I'll go from there. All right, here we go. We'll, we'll read through this. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? So he said to him, What is it written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Verse 29, but he desiring to what? What does it say? Say it out loud. He desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? It's a good question. Who's my neighbor? So Jesus, like he always does, doesn't quite answer the question. He shares the story, and this is what he says. Verse 30, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him there half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side as well. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound him up in his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, 
And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, now he poses it back to them, back to the lawyer, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and what? And do likewise. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open up uh, this word, make it alive like it is. Pray that it would penetrate our hearts. I pray that you would open our eyes to see something new that we've never seen in this story that is so common. God, I know as, as we read this story, so many people have already said in their mind, I, I know this story. I know where he's going. I know what's going on. But I, God, I pray that you would make your word fresh today. Make it new and alive. I pray that it would awaken our spirits. But more than anything, God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us as a church to live out the truth we are about to hear. Lord, help us to be a people who don't just hear truth and hear your word, but walk out this place the same. But Lord, help us to walk out this place changed and by your Holy Spirit living out everything you've called us to do. We love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you, PZ. Um, real quick, how many people love to eat in this room? How many love to eat? Come on, good. How many are hungry right now? All right, preach at me. Tell me I'm doing good, and I'll, I'll preach faster, I promise. We'll get you out quick. Um, how many love going to restaurants? Who's, who's the restaurant people? How many home-cooking people, home-cooked people? Okay, good. Well, I'm a, I'm a fast food junkie. I love fast food. Uh, absolutely love it. And so I thought I'd just kind of do a poll real quick to find out what kind of fast food junkies we have in the house. How many are Burger King people? How many like a little Burger King? Yeah, all the people who raise their hands because they like it their way. That's right. Isn't that right? Okay, I like Burger King. I like Burger King. How many Wendy's people? Any Wendy's? You like the square patties, the chili, somewhat of a healthier choice. Who gets the salad at Wendy's? Raise your hand, get the salad. Okay, good. Chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwiches, any people? Just me? Okay, all right, a couple of you. All right, how many of you, McDonald's? McDonald's? All my kids would raise both of their hands. Um, You know you don't go to McDonald's because the food's good. You know that, right? I've never heard anybody walk out of McDonald's and go, oh, I'm so glad I ate that. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often. But how many love the fries? We like the fries. We can go there. The kids, kids ask me to go all the time because of what? The toys. That's exactly right. That's their ploy. They're so smart. They, they get all my money because of the, the toys. I love the toys. Um, Taco Bell. Taco Bell, yeah. All these people that just raised their hand probably need prayer right now because their stomach is doing some it's a cleansing system see if you ever want to just get clean taco bell right come on can't get any amen on that i love me some taco bell i don't know if it's because i'm mexican or just because i really like my stomach hurting i don't know which one it is but we love some taco bell um okay let's go outside of the city raising canes any raising canes people come on yeah yeah now we're talking all right got to get me some special sauce all right now, here's the other one, and this is my favorite, all times, Chick-fil-A. We got any Chick-fil-A in the house? All you Christians <laughs> loving Chick-fil-A. Now, there's something special about Chick-fil-A that you don't get at Taco Bell, okay, or Burger King, and it's, and it's aside from the food. I love Chick-fil-A food. I mean, I love some Chick-fil-A food. I could eat Chick-fil-A every day. I love me some chicken, and I love me some Chick-fil-A chicken. It's really good. I think the Lord is on it. Well, he is. 
It's a Christian company. They love the Lord. Um, I, I hate the fact they're closed on Sunday, but that's okay. We'll give them that one. But there's something about Chick-fil-A that's so much more than a great chicken sandwich or a great chicken salad. Most of us go there because it's not only great food, but it's also what? Great service. Great service. Have you ever gotten service like that at, at Burger King? Or Taco Bell? No. People at Taco Bell are like, what you want? I'm like, all right, I'm glad I'm here too. All right. You want cheese on that? I would like some. Okay. Um, I, I just offended every person who works at Taco Bell, and I, I totally apologize. Uh, if you work there, I apologize. Uh, but Chick-fil-A has this thing. Every time you go and you ask, that when you walk up to the desk, they go, how may I serve you? Have you been there? How may I help you? Okay, and then after they give you your, your incredible chicken biscuit that melts in your mouth, they say this, it was my pleasure. How many of you know that? It's my pleasure. Hey, can I have a refill? It would be my pleasure. Hey, can I have more of the chicken for free? It would be my pleasure. No, they don't do that. It'd be my pleasure. There's something about that place, though, that is so contagious, and I think it does so well. It's not just they got great food. I mean, it's a really basic food. Everybody makes chicken. But it's the service. It's the fact that it's an environment where you come and you feel, man, I've just been served. People coming and putting things down for my kids and giving me everything. It's, it's amazing. But we love it because, one, we like being served, but also we love being in environments that are absolutely uh, filled with people who love to serve and love to help. Today we're, we're talking about serving on mission and what that means for us to serve and, and to be people who lay down our lives. And we have a story here in Luke chapter 10 about a, a lawyer who's coming to kind of trip Jesus up. He wants to find out from Jesus. He's been hired to come in and kind of try to figure out ways that he can trip Jesus up. And he comes in, and and so he's going to throw a couple couple questions at him. He throws two questions at him. And the first question is, let's throw it up. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, he throws the first question. The first question says, hey, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, that's a big question. It's a huge question. Pretty much what he's saying is, what do I got to do to get to heaven? And so Jesus, being Jesus that he is, always responds with just very incredible ways. And he throws another question back at him. He says, well, what is it written in the law and how do you read it? And so the guy progresses to say, well, I I read in Scripture pretty much, I think, I think I've heard maybe you say this before that you could sum up everything into like love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and and then love your neighbors. And he said, bingo, you got it. And then he says, go do it. But the lawyer doesn't stop there. He, he wants to now figure out a way that he can go around knowing all this but not having to do this. And so what he says is the next question, which really reveals more of his heart than anything, is he says, what does he say? So who's my neighbor? See, the reason he's asking who's my neighbor is because if Jesus will segregate these certain people who are his neighbor, then what that means is he doesn't have to be a neighbor to these people. Are y'all with me? Because it says that he tried to justify himself. Verse 29 says, he de- in desiring to justify himself. See, in this, the, the lawyer wasn't really wanting eternal life and he wasn't wanting to serve people. He was wanting his life. 
And so he was trying to get Jesus to fit into his life. He says, uh, okay, how do I have eternal life? Do all this. Okay, that's good. But who's my neighbor? And then Jesus, as awesome as he is, goes into this story. And you're going to find out that the story is so much more than the Good Samaritan. A lot of people play this off as the story of a Good Samaritan, and it is. But this story is really about the lawyer more than anything else. It's about him. And so today as we read through this story and as we share, I really want you to ask God to open up your eyes uh, to see what this is all about. So let's start in verse 30. Can we go to verse 30 if you're there? It says this, Jesus replied, here's his story, let's unpack it. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jesus is talking about two places, Jerusalem and Jericho. you got to know something real quick. Jerusalem and Jericho were between 17 and 18 miles apart. Okay, that's a, that's a good trek on foot or on a horse. But the wild thing about this is as well is that Jerusalem was 3,000 feet above Jericho. Jericho was three, a 3,000-foot trek downhill. If you wanted to go to Jericho, you had to go 3,000 feet down, okay? So here's what we have. We have a city named Jerusalem. We know Jerusalem because Jerusalem is a very famous place, right? It's the city of blessing. It's going to be the city where Jesus dies. It's a very popular city. It's where all the priests go. It's where you commune with God. Everybody goes to Jerusalem to, to meet with the priests and to go to the temple and to meet with God there in Jerusalem. Now, what do we know about Jericho, though? I had the great privilege last week to teach our Quest kids and OSC kids about the story of Jericho and Joshua. And we marched around the tables, and we were real quiet, which that was, that was not easy to do. Okay, Don't say anything. We're going to walk around this table seven times. Yeah, right, with six to 12-year-olds. Okay, And then we gave them the chance to shout, and we know that Jericho was a place of cursing. God cursed that city. We know that the the army of the Israelites walked around it seven times and then shouted. The walls came down. They defeated that. And Joshua said, any person that tries to rebuild Jericho, it will be cursed. So they did. They rebuilt it. And that was a a place of cursing. And so we have in this story a place of blessing and we have a place of cursing. We have this man. He is going down from a place of blessing to a place of what? To a place of cursing. Now, here's what I want you to understand in this. This is the process of people, and there may be you in here that are thinking through this, of I don't know about this relationship with the Lord, I don't know, and you're, you're walking down to a place that's not going to be good. Anytime we walk away from the place of the Lord, anytime we're walking away from the way God desires for us to do it, a place of blessing, it only goes downhill from there. Amen? Now let's see what happens. And I want to show you what's going to happen if you choose to walk away from the Lord and you choose to go and do your own thing. This is what happens. Look at verse 31, or actually verse 30. We're still in 30. It says, And he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him what? Leaving him what? See, here's the deal. Every time you walk away from Jesus, this is what happens. This is what happens. Because we know in John 10, 10 that the enemy comes what? The enemy comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his whole mission. So when we're walking away from a place of blessing, this is something that we see. So, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about how do we help people like this. So in your notes, number one is this. If we're going to help people who have been beat up by the world, who have allowed their life choices to get them to a place that they're 
half dead and maybe not physically, but spiritually and emotionally, they're just, they're beat. How is a church that has a heart for the house, how do we minister to these type of people? How do we help? And a lot of these people are even in our own house. How do we help them? Well, number one is this. We have to see as Jesus sees. We have to see as Jesus sees. You know, as I grow older, I begin to see things a lot differently. How many of you, I was over at Pastor Will Miss Tracy's yesterday, and we were laughing because we were watching a commercial about um, guys wearing short shorts. How many of you remember those days? How many of you were a part of those days? Don't raise your hand. Don't indict yourself. Okay, because my dad, I remember seeing pictures of my dad whenever I was like, you know, two, three, and four. Afro, short shorts, and a stash. Somebody should have shot him. If I ever go to that, shoot me. You hear me? If I ever go, who says that's cool? Okay, but it was a cool thing back in those days. Girls, hair as big as Texas, okay? Huge, massive. How many know as you grow older, you look back at things and you're like, who told me that was cool? Okay, I used to have Reebok pumps back in the day, okay? I, that, that was my thing. I used to have that flat top. Dear Jesus, thank God he saved me and redeemed me. Ripped jeans. A, a couple years ago, I had ripped jeans. Lindsay looked at me. She said, you're not wearing those out to the house. I said, these are cool. What are you talking about? She's like, no, that is long gone. We're going to go buy you some new jeans right now. Sometimes you need other people to see things that you don't see yourself. We talked about it last week, blind spots. You know what I'm talking about? So here's the deal. In order for us to see as Jesus sees, as we grow older and as we grow more in the faith, there's different things that we thought that were great that aren't as great anymore. Here's the greatest definition of a Christian that I've heard. The greatest definition of a Christian is the things that you used to hate, you now love, and the things that you now love, you used to hate. Or you now hate. So the things that I used to hate, oh, I hate going to church, I hate giving, I hate doing anything, now you love it. And the things that you used to love, I used to love living for myself and doing my own thing. Now you hate that. And see, as we get eyes like Jesus, as we see as Jesus does, he changes us. You can't spend time with Jesus without him changing you. Every time we look in scripture, people who were with Jesus, he, they changed. And so this idea, I want you all to see what we have that goes on. Luke 10, verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. So we got a, a beat up guy, stripped He's half naked, half dead on the side of the road. It says a priest, that's very important. You want to maybe underline that one. A priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now a priest, understand this, that a priest had the first five books of the Bible memorized. A priest was someone who communed with God. Think about it. This guy was coming from Jerusalem, the place where you spend time with God the whole time. He was the most holy of them of them all. He has spent the most time with Jesus than anybody else. And here he is. He comes across this man who is half dead. And the Bible says that he passes on the other side. Which, when I look at that, what I read into that and what I see is that just because you commune with God doesn't mean you really... Or that spiritual as you think you are. See, because this guy passes on the other side. He had all the Bible knowledge that you could ask for. He memorized every verse. I mean, he was probably top of his class in his rabbi school. He was a priest. He was communing with God every day. But when it came to actual practical needs of people, he missed it. He missed it. 
See, the problem with this priest was not that he didn't know the word, it was that he didn't apply it. Come on, isn't that our problem sometimes? It's not that you need another Bible study. It's that you need to apply the years of Bible study that you've gotten already. It's not that you need to eat more. You need to push away from the table maybe a little bit and do an exercise. Okay, so I don't think we have malnutrition people in here who haven't fed and haven't spent time with God. It's that we need to now be with people. And now here's a person. Look what happens next. It says, so likewise, verse 32, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Listen, the people who are most qualified to help this guy chose to walk by. The priest and the Levite. Now, the Levite was not a priest, but a Levite was an assistant to the priest. So it was like his associate pastor, executive pastor, which would be me. All right, his right-hand man. This is the priest, and he walks by, and then his second-hand guy comes by, and he says, oh, uh, well, I'm going to walk by on the other side. Now, there could be many of reasons. Could have been busy. In those days, if you got within five feet of a dead body, then you were unclean. So there's some legitimate reasons of why maybe they didn't stop. Maybe he didn't have the resources to do it. Maybe he didn't, we don't know, but all we, what we do know is that he didn't stop. They chose to walk on by. Maybe he said something like this. Oh, I need to go and call the church because the church will come and take care of this for me. Oh, I need to go call my priest, not knowing that his priest actually passed as well. But I'm going to tell you this. Listen, you are the church. Thank you, Pastor Bubba. You are the church. We are the church together. So when you see a need, that's usually a need that you're called to meet. God wants you to meet that need. We see that right here. Let's go to verse 33. Now I want you to look at what happens because Jesus makes the unlikeliest person ever the hero of this story. It says, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now I want you to notice something just real quick. This is a Samaritan. Now, I know, I think we've talked about this in the past couple of weeks, but a Samaritan and Jews did not get along. They were more than at odds with each, with each other. They hated each other. Jewish men would actually go into the church, go into the temple, and they would pray before God, and this is what their prayers were. Listen to this. They would thank the, God, thank Lord, the Lord that they were not a woman or Samaritan. Can you imagine if you came into this church this morning and one of the guys got him? Thank God I'm not a woman. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not black. How many of you would be offended by that? But in those days, that's what Jewish men did all the time. They thanked God that they weren't children, that they weren't women, and that they weren't Samaritans. And look when we look at Jesus, who is he always with? Kids, women, and Samaritans. Right? And so here we go. Jesus makes the, the biggest hero of this story a Samaritan. A Samaritan, dude. This guy is not supposed to be the hero. He's supposed to be the enemy. And look what he does. It says, when he saw him. Now, I want you to look in verse 31, 32, and 33. Because this happened. All three of them, what did they all do? They all did something that was the same. They all what? They all saw him. In 31, it said, when he saw him. In verse 32, it said, when the Levites saw him. In verse 33, it said, when the Samaritans saw him. They all saw him. So none of them were like, oh, I missed that. 
They all saw it. Every single one of them saw it, but every single one of them had a different response. And the Samaritan chooses to have compassion. It says that when he saw him, he had compassion on him. See, here's the deal. He was the only guy that saw as Jesus saw. And here's the other part of that. When you see as Jesus sees, you move as Jesus moves. When you see as Jesus sees, you move as Jesus moves. You do the things that Jesus tells him to do. Now look what it says in verse 30. Uh, well, actually, let me, let me say this. Matthew 25, this is a very sobering verse. Matthew 25 speaks of a day when we will stand before the Lord. Matthew 20, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it. Matthew 25, 37 through 40. I don't even think they have it on the screen. But I'm going to read this because um, this, is a, this is a very scary verse because this is a, a, one day we're going to stand before the Lord and this is what's going to happen. Verse, Matthew 25, 37, it says this, Then the righteous will answer the Lord and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we See you sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did to the least of these, my brothers, you did what? See, we all know it. You did it to me. But notice, notice the people's excuse. When did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you? We never saw that. And he's going, yes, you did. You just didn't want to do anything about it. Come on, how many of you, you watch, you go through those TV channels and you get to that one where they got the orphan things and they got the kids on there. What did we try to do? We hurry up and try to flip it. Because the more we sit and watch it, then we feel like we got to do something about it, right? See, when we see it, we, have two re- we only got two reactions. We can either engage it and be filled with the compassion of Christ and want to help, or we just can ignore it and want to push it aside. And so we have a, a guy here that says that he saw him and he had compassion. So I'm going to throw kind of, a, kind of a hard truth out there, but this is, I really believe is truth. To say that you know the gospel but not have compassion for people, I take into question if you really understand the gospel. Do you understand that? To say you love Jesus, you've been spending time with Jesus, you've been here communing with Jesus, and then to walk out and see somebody in need and not respond in compassion, I wonder if you really met with Jesus. Because we, as people, when we respond in the way that Jesus responded, notice that everywhere Jesus walked, he was with people, and he's touching them, and he's healing them, and he's helping them. He could just go like, guys, back off. i got to go just hang out with Daddy. And he did. He would go into secluded places and spend time with his father. But guess what? He'd come down from the mountain and go back to helping people again. See, we always want to stay on the mountain and just spend time with Jesus. But Jesus is like, listen, I need you to go out with the people. Because they need me, and they need you. And so we have a Samaritan here. So here's what I want us to kind of declare over, over ourselves. We need the eyes of Jesus to see the people. Can you say that with me? Say, I need the eyes of Jesus. Say it after me. Ready? I need the eyes of Jesus to see the people. Say this. I need the ears of Jesus to hear the people. I need the feet of Jesus to go to people. I need the hands of Jesus to help the people. I need the heart of Jesus to love the people. 
I need the mouth of Jesus to encourage the people. That's what we need. That's what we need. Eyes, ears, heart, mouth, feet, hands. We need that. Number two, if you're going to help and be a part of helping serve people, you've got to see as Jesus sees, but number two, you've got to respond as Jesus leads. You have to respond as Jesus leads. There's a very, very unpopular word that's going around in our world today and age, and it's called authority. We don't like it. We don't like it at all. I don't like it. But you need it. And here's the deal. How many of you have ever um, been pulled over by a cop before? I was driving down uh, a few years ago, going to Baton Rouge on the Chafalaya Basin. And uh, in the Chafalaya, you all know, Pastor Bell has warned me enough of time, don't you speed on the basin. You speed on that bridge. How many know what I'm talking about? And so I had came over, it was... Came over the little hump over the, over the hill on the bridge, and literally, there is a cop with his little motorcycle sitting over there, and he's literally in the middle of the road, and he's doing this. And how many of you know, like, as soon as it comes over, your heart is like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, tap, tap, you know, you don't want to kind of like, <laughs> and he's, he's doing this, and he, he, he I'm, I'm like going. And so I got two thoughts. One, I can just speed real fast and hit them, and then we can just go. Or t- <laughs> I didn't think that. I'm very- <laughs> okay, I did think that at first. I paused. Lord, forgive me. I did think that at first. Or two is when he points the finger and he goes, how many of you gotten that before? And then he's like, boom, you, you. I mean, he's like going down the line. I got like two or three cars behind me. I'm like, well, we're all busted together. Okay. Maybe we can get our stories together. We were trying to do something, saving animals. I don't know. Uh, But see, the thing is, is I responded to his authority. He wears the uniform, he's got the bike, and he's got a gun. All right? And he's pointing, and he's going, you, there. And I go, yes, sir. And I've, all, I've had to learn just to be humble. Pastor Bill has the ability to get out tickets like I've never seen before. He's just like, I'm a pastor. I'm going praying for people. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm trying to lead people to Jesus. They're like, I don't care. Slow down. And here's your ticket. Right. I tried. it. tried to model. didn't work. I guess it's my age. But see, nobody, whenever they get pointed at and say pull over, nobody's like, thank God for this person who has authority and is protecting me. Does anybody say that? No, everybody's like, I'm going to run him over right now if I real quick. That's what everybody's thinking. Nobody's thinking about the authority of the protection. Everybody's like, I can't believe it. See, the thing is you want authority for everybody else. You just don't want it for you. Because when that other person's like zooming by, you're like, get him. Get him. I can't wait. And then like you pass by and they're on the side of the road. You're like, ah. Come on, let's be honest. Aren't you? But when it happens to you, you're like, no, mercy, mercy, Lord. That's my, that's my grandma right there. She would always, when she'd get pulled over, I'd hear in the van, she'd be like, mercy, Lord, mercy. <laughs> and the Lord hears her cries, too. But here's the deal. Being a follower of Jesus is responding to his authority. 
We're responding to his authority. When Jesus says, you go and do this, we respond and say, yes, sir. We say, yes, we do. Because here's the deal. When you don't respond to his authority, you're not following. And you're not following. You're not a Christian. Right? And so being a follower of Jesus simply, we're just responding to his authority. And, and I'll, I'll say this. This morning, I believe God, like an officer, is pointing at you and saying, get over here. I want to tell you something. Hey, saved people serve people. Now go. And for many of you, God is wanting to do that this morning. He's wanting to pull you off to the side and say, listen, saved people serve people. Let's continue. Luke 10, 34. Let's see what this Samaritan does. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on, what does it say? He poured on what? Oil and what? And wine. Underline that. Underline that. Then he set him on his own animal. Underline that. And he brought him to an inn and took care of him. Notice he didn't just drop him off and be like, oh, that's y'all's deal. He took care of him. He stayed there. It means he stayed a night. He made sure he was good. Verse 35. And the next day he took out two denarii. Underline that. And he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay when I come back. I love the way that this starts, verse 34. It starts with, he went to him. See, here's the idea that if we want to serve like Jesus, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we've got to respond like Jesus, which means you've got to go to them. I'm sorry to say that our church will not grow if we expect people to come to us you got to go to them. That's why we engage in Paradise Park and the schools and Lake Arthur and all these places. Because we realize, you know what, there's people that are hurting, but they're not coming to us. They're hurting. They're on the side of the road. They're half dead. They're not walking. we got to go to them. And here's the beauty of all that. Well, you'll see it in just a minute. So I want to I share with you real quick, and you'll get some notes, and we're going to wrap it up how the Samaritan was, was involved in this guy's life. He's involved in this guy's life three ways. And, and when we're talking about save people, serve people, I, this is our prayer for you, that you wouldn't be involved in this house in these three ways. Not in one of the three ways, in all three ways. This guy was involved in all three. Not one of the three. He was involved in all three. And the first one is this. He was involved spiritually. Spiritual involvement. That scripture says that he poured on oil and wine. The oil symbolizes in scripture the Holy Spirit. Water symbolizes the blood of Jesus. You and I are called to be involved in this house spiritually. Spiritually. We want you to be engaged spiritually. And you know how you do this? Let me tell you how you do this. You pray. You pray for this church daily. You pray that, that God would use the people of this church to expand his kingdom. That you would pray for the members of this church. That you would pray for one another that you would encourage one another, that you would pray for your pastors, not when they're just going through a, a rough season, but you would pray for us constantly. We battle some stuff. And here's how the enemy works. When the enemy wants to take out a church, guess who he takes out? He takes out the head. He takes out the people at the top because he realizes if he can do that, then he can get after the body. So please pray for us. Pray for Pastor Brother Miss Tracy and their family, that God would surround them and protect them and be with them. Pray for our other campuses. We want you to be spiritually involved in this house. Pray for us. 
We pray for each other. Pray for our ministry teams. There's people serving now. There's people that direct teams. There's people that do so much in this church. Please be praying. Number two, physical involvement. Physical involvement. Notice what, it, what happened. Notice what he did. He went to him. He bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then what does he do? He sets him on his own animal. Do you know what that signifies? That signifies that he broke a sweat. You don't take a, 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 a half-dead man and easily put him on a donkey. Try putting a, a six-year-old kid who's kicking on a donkey. That's hard. But try putting a limp man who's half-dead on a donkey. I mean, this guy is rolling his sleeves. He's sweating it out. He's trying to do, he's bandaging this guy's wounds. He's taking him and he's putting him on a donkey. It's dirty and hard and tough. See, I want you all to understand this. Right now, there are people who are getting their hands dirty serving your children. And literally, some of them are getting their hands dirty changing your kids' diapers. Dirty. I don't know what you feed your children, but they're dirty. Some of you were served today as you walked in and someone handed you a card or someone checked in your children or somebody came and passed an offering bucket. There's people who serve you during the week. There's people who cook for you, many of you, in times of hard times. There's people who get their hands dirty. How many know that's not convenient? How many know when you heard the story of Cody and Allie getting up at 6 in the morning with a child and having to get, that's not convenient. I'm so proud of Cody and Allie. They have served at Eunice campus for five years straight every weekend, not missed one except if they've been on vacation. That's incredible. That is incredible. Because they realize it's not about me. I need to be involved. Listen, these chairs don't get set up by us praying them to get set up. This, this church doesn't get cleaned by us. Just pray that it cleans. All dirt germs go in Jesus' name. I wish we could pray for your kids to be watched too. But that doesn't happen. We have incredible people who serve and help and are blessings to you and to me and to this house. See, the problem with all this is that many times we treat the church like a hotel and not like a home. How many, come on, how many make you better at the hotel? Don't lie. How many of you, when you spill something on the carpet, you're like, oh, well. Goldfish for everybody. Let's just stamp them in the carpet, too, while we're at it. All right? I mean, you do some horrible things at hotels, let's be honest, that you would never do at your home. You're your kid spills something. You're like, what are you doing? At the hotel, you're like, oh, don't worry about it. Maid's got it. Housekeeping. You want me See, here's two reasons why people treat the church like a hotel and not a home. Two reasons. They don't have a sense of ownership, and they don't plan on staying long. Right? If you're not staying long, then why get involved? But the Bible says, blessed are those who are planted in the house, for they will flourish. We want you to get planted. We want you to get rooted in here. Don't jump around. If you're going to jump around, there's plenty of churches you can jump around on. But here, we want you to have a heart for the house. Don't treat it like a hotel. Treat it like a home. Get involved. See, at some point, your faith's got to collide with your responsibility. Jesus didn't save you for you. He saved you for a purpose. He wants you to love this house, cherish this house, serve in this house, build this house. And sometimes the greatest way you can express love is through sweat, right? 
My wife says, I want a fence in the backyard. I can say, well, I'll pray it out. Let's pray for it. Let's go. We're going to pray. Or sometimes I can just go and get calluses on my hand and go try to build a fence and then ask every partner that I've ever invested in to come and help me build this fence. Because love is expressed through sweat sometimes. Okay, good. Number three, last one. So we got spiritual involvement, we got uh, physical involvement, and we got the one that everybody loves the most, financial involvement. It says that he gave two denarii to the innkeeper. He gave two coins. And he said that he stayed there. And then he said, oh, by the way, if there's any other more costs that get incurred, let, when I come back, I'll pay for all that too. Don't worry about it. Now, I, I want us to understand, this is a Samaritan and a Jew. They hate each other. The Jews have only done wrong to the Samaritans. They've never done anything right to them. They have cursed them. They've done everything wrong to them. He owes him nothing. He owes him nothing. He could be like, hey, you know what? Bill it to him. He'll deal with it when he's done. He'll take care of that. I mean, I got him here. I'll send him a bill too after I'm done. No, he had financial involvement. He was engaged in that. He was engaged. We want you to be engaged financially in this house because the Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart is. And we want you to have a heart for the heart for the house. So guess what? That means your treasure's got to be where your heart is. Imagine this. Imagine that uh, you go, this past weekend I had a great opportunity to go. And I'm still dating my wife, so I took her out to Outback. Uh, we had some people in the church that blessed us, which thank you, because I took my wife out to Outback, and we went to Outback. How many love Outback? He likes a little, little steak, a little filet, a little something-something. And when you're not paying for it, you like filet, okay? <laughs> Can I get an amen? And so, you know, you get a salad. You know, you get a blooming onion which was a blooming disaster. Um, it was good. It just did a blooming to me. Um, <laughs> the blooming onion is amazing. But I have been told I will never eat a blooming onion again. Um, so you get the bread. You get the salad. You get the filet mignon. You get the green beans. You get it all. You get everything, you know. And then you top it all off with a chocolate thunder from down under. Come on. Okay, you do it all. Now imagine if the, the, the waitress comes up to me and says, okay, here's your bill, and here's, okay, and I look at her and I go, listen, you know what, my wife and I were talking, and we're actually going to go down to the Cracker Barrel and pay for the meal there. Is that okay? And she'd be like, let me get my owner. Comes back, the owner comes back and says, excuse me, sir, you don't want to pay for your bill, and it was bad service? No, man, the food was amazing. The service was spectacular. I just saw that you guys remodeled here. And have you ever been to Cracker Barrel? It's like a garage sale with a restaurant. And it looks like they need some help. So I'm going to go and just give them what I owe you. Is that okay? And he would look at me and he said, where did you get fed? And who served you? So I'm going to ask you, in this house, where did you get fed? And who served you? Who served you? Who was there when you picked up the phone and said, I need somebody to pray with me? Who was there when you were in the hospital and somebody came and visited you? Who was there whenever your marriage was going through a hard time? Who served you? Wherever that is, that's where your money needs to be. You need to sow into that. 
And next, listen, next weekend for this miracle offering, you get a chance to do that. You get a chance to have been on the receiving end for so much that you get to go, you know what, I got a heart for the house. I'm going to give to the house. I want to make sure that this house thrives and this house flourishes. That's what the miracle offering is all about. It's really not about just giving to the church. It's about God doing something in you. Amen? Amen. All right, let's wrap it up. Pastor Zach, come up here. Luke 10, 36. This is the end. It says, which of these three, this is now his closing to the guy, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the guy says, the one who showed him mercy, and Jesus asked him, now you go and do likewise. See, here's the thing. The lawyer asked the wrong question. The lawyer asked the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus, at the end of this, says, that was the wrong question. The question you should have asked is, who can I be a neighbor to? How can I be a neighbor? That's the right question. Jesus flips it on this lawyer and says, you're trying to get out of serving. I'm trying to tell you who you need to serve. And when you read the story, it's anybody. The people who you hate and the people who you love. How many remember watching the show, Mr. Rogers? Y'all love that show? Come on, we can. I thought about wearing a sweater and doing the shirt thing, but I didn't. Uh. But y'all remember the song? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Could you be mine? I got the words here. Because I don't remember it. I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? That's what we should be asking as a church. Won't you be my neighbor? Not who is my neighbor, but can you be my neighbor? And guess what? As a neighbor, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to tell you all right now, this is why we do all this. We do all this. We serve not because God's going to be mad if we don't or because of all. We serve because Jesus served us. Here's the, here's the, the real kicker of the story. Jesus is the good Samaritan. Ephesians 2, 1 says that you were dead in your trespasses, just like that guy on the side of the road. But the Bible, my Bible says that Jesus came to you, just like the Samaritan came to the man. The Bible, my Bible says that Jesus was healed. Listen, listen to this. That Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was stripped. He was slain. He was attacked by thieves. So what the Samaritan gave to the poor, yeah, that was generous. But what Jesus has given to you is way more generous. He's loved you, forgiven you, served you, helped you. And here's the greatest part about it, is that we don't serve a God who did that 2,000 years ago. He's serving you right now. He's helping you right now. He's forgiving you right now. Come on. He is. He's doing all that. And so we serve here at the church, and we serve people, and we serve in Paradise Park, and we do all those things, not because it's convenient, not because it's easy, because it's really, really hard, but we do it because God did it to us. He serves us, and he's still serving us. And so how stingy would it be for us to say, no, I'm not going to do it, I'm good, when we still want to receive the benefits of Christ still serving us? Saved people serve people.
All right, here's how we're gonna respond. In the seat backs in front of you, there's a connect card. Grab one, every single person. Find one, ushers, if we can get one to every person, they don't have one, but I want you to grab one. I'm gonna tell you, this is how we're gonna respond. We're not gonna respond by salvation. Even if, if you do need to know Christ, we will pray for you. We'll pray that you will get saved. Because unsaved people definitely don't serve people. So we want you to be saved. But I'm going to say this. On, the, on, the, on that Connect card right there, there was probably 40% of the people that stood up in this room when I said, if you're serving here, stand up. Which means there was about 60% of you that were not. And so this was an encouragement to those who are serving to just say thank you for what you're continuing to do and continue to do it out of the right heart. But this was also a challenge to some of you that are not, that are on the receiving end, that are eating from the table and haven't pushed away. And we're going to ask you to just give us your name and give us your phone number or email or whatever. And then on the back side, let me see one of those real quick. <clears throat> on the back side right here, it says serve on mission. You see it? And it says got a bunch of different places. OSC Kids, Fuel, you can work in the admin office, First Impressions, Men's Ministry, Women's Ministry, Worship and Production, you want to help with those. And there's a a blank there. Maybe there's an an area that you want to help in that we don't have on here. But I want, listen, if you want to respond the way that God wants you to respond, we're going to respond as Jesus leads. If God is leading you and you feel challenging your heart, like I need to get planted, I need to get rooted, I need to, listen, I'm asking you right now, fill this out check off one of these boxes. We'll be in touch with you. We'll get you involved in this house. But this is how we're going to respond to the Lord today. We're going to respond in action. We're going to say, you know what, it's not just going to be something I hear, but it's going to be something that I do. Go and do likewise. On your way out, we'll have an usher standing at the door. You can just give them the card on your way out, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Will you stand with me? You can fill it out after stand together can we just lift our hands and thank the Lord for what he's done for us how he has served us Jesus we just thank you come on just tell him out of your own lips Jesus thank you thank you thank you thank you for serving us thank you for coming to us when we were dead when we were the half dead person on the side of the road Lord beaten up by life we thank you that you came and God not only did you save us not only did you forgive us but you gave us new life You've paid for all of our penalty. You've given us your righteousness. We're in right standings with God because of you. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your blood that forgives us and heals us and saves us. Jesus, we come to you as a people who have been saved by you, and we say we will be a people who serve for you. We will reach people. God, we will build people. We will lay down our lives for people because of what you continually do for us. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this house. God, we pray that you would continue to break our heart for the things that break your heart. Give us the eyes of Jesus to see people. Give us the ears of Jesus to hear people. Give us the feet of Jesus to go to people. Give us a heart like Jesus to love people, Lord. Lord, give us that tonight. God, may we be changed from this place forward, from this day forward. And from out of this place, may we go and be your light, be your salt in this earth. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen.